Welcome to CME on ReachMD. This activity, entitled Clinical Considerations in Recurrent Metastatic Squamous Cell Carcinoma of the Head and Neck, is provided by Agile and is supported by an independent educational grant from Merck KGAA, Darmstadt, Germany. Prior to beginning the activity, please be sure to review the faculty and commercial support disclosure statements, as well as the learning objectives. Squamous cell carcinoma of head and neck cancer is one of the most common cancers worldwide with over 500,000 new cases and 380,000 deaths annually. In this regard, the poor outcomes associated with recurrent metastatic squamous cell carcinoma of head and neck represent significant unmet medical need. For these patients, first-line pharmacologic therapy includes chemotherapy, target therapies, and immunotherapy, often in combination. Nonetheless, treatment selection is widely recognized as difficult due to complex patient and disease factors. This is CMI on Rich MD, and I am Dr. Ana Castro. Joining me to discuss these issues are Dr. Gilberto Castro and Dr. Ricardo Messia. To get us started, Dr. Gilberto Castro, what is the typical presentations of patients with the squamous cell carcinoma of head and neck? Can you tell us about the generally prognosis and severity of burden of their disease? We need to consider that most of the patients that has been already diagnosed with head and neck squamous cell carcinoma. Typically, they have a heavy history of smoking and alcohol habits. And around 70 to 8% of them are usually diagnosed with locally advanced disease. In front of this, we need also to consider they are usually very symptomatic, usually with swallowing problems, breathing problems, bleeding, pain, weight loss, and infections. And most importantly, most of them are usually presenting with comorbidities like COPD, anemia, hepatitis. And in terms of burden of this disease, we need to consider that some of them need to be treated as soon as possible in order to have a symptomatic relief. And taking all of this into account, unfortunately, the median over survival of those patients is around 20 to 15 months. Dr. Ricard, with this as background, what patient and disease characteristics go into determining the selection of first-line pharmacological treatments for patients with recurrent metastatic squamous cell carcinoma of the head and neck? First of all, I would like to remember you that up to now, just before the immunocheck points inhibitors appearance, all guidelines of the recurrent metastatic disease treatment decide the treatment according to the patient ECOG-PS. Performance status probably is the main factor to select the treatment, to choose this treatment. Only patients with PS 0, 1, or 2 were treated. And in these patients with PS 0 to 2, we choose treatment according to the other important factors, such as comorbidities, previous chemotherapy treatments, the burden of cisplatin received and time from the last dose of cisplatin condition our selection of treatment, age. We usually use geriatric scales in order to know whether this old patient is fit, unfit, or just in the middle, and we need to adapt the treatment according to these scales. Other factors that could influence in the election 
is nutritional status or patient's preferences. We have incorporated three other main factors. First is time from the last dose of cisplatin. Second, pd one CPS from the results of the Keynote 48 study, which has changed just now the first line of treatment. And third, symptoms burden. So let's dig a little deeper. More specifically, could you describe patient outcomes associated with the use of first-line immunotherapy, both with or without chemotherapy as compared to the extreme regimen? Essentially, what are we learning from the data emerging from Keynote 048, Dr. Gilberto? In fact, based on some patient factors, tumor factors, and the available resources, nowadays we have at least three options for treating these patients with recurrent or metastatic head and neck squamous cell carcinoma. Namely, we have today, first one, the extreme regimen, or in other words, the combination of platinum, 5-FU, and cetuximab. Secondly, we have the TPX regimen, the combination of ataxane plus platinum plus cetuximab, that in order to be administered, we need hematopoietic growth factors. And finally, and based on the keynote of O48 trial, we have the possibility of treating these patients with pembrolizumab alone or pembrolizumab plus platinum plus 5-FU. The Keynote 048 trial is a phase two trial that has been already published. And in this trial, this patient with recurrent or metastatic squamous cell carcinoma, they were randomized between the extreme regimen, pembrolizumab alone, or the pembrolizumab plus 5-FU plus platinum. The combination of pembrolizumab plus platinum plus 5-FU was superior to the extreme regimen in terms of overall survival. And pembrolizumab alone was not inferior to the extreme regimen in terms of overall survival. In terms of how to select the best patient for the best treatment, we need to consider, as I have already mentioned, some patient factors like tumor burden, like comorbidities, like the presence or no of autoimmune disease, renal function, hepatic function, and we need also to consider as tumor-related factors, we need to check the expression of pda one using the CPS score. Thank you, Dr. Gilberto. Dr. Ricard, could you compare and contrast the toxicities associated with immunotherapy with and without chemotherapy, the extreme regimen and TPX regimen? Immunocheckpoint inhibitors could produce an inflammation and any body organ. They are the immunorelated adverse events and they occur in about 60% of the treated patients. Although, only 15% are grade 3 4, and therefore they force to stop the treatment temporarily or, in the majority of, of the cases, completely. With the immunotherapy, we have changed the typical adverse events of chemotherapy for the immunorelated adverse events. But when we combine immunocheckpoint inhibitors with chemotherapy, 
we will have added twice the adverse events of both and lead to discontinuation in about 20% also. Comparing extreme and typics, it's important to note that toxicity was lower in the typics arm. Metallurgical toxicity and electrolyte disorders were inferior with typics. Neutropenia of greater than 2 in extreme was 49% versus 23% in those patients treated with typics. And ionic level disorders of grade 3 or more were more frequent in the extreme arm than in the typics arm, significantly, statistically. Another thing I think is important now is the CD4 lymphocyte cone. In those patients who have CD4 lymphocyte cone of less than 200 per milliliter or detectable, detectable viral load of HIV is an absolute contraindication for chemotherapy or immunocheckpoints inhibitors. And also, patients untreated on chronic hepatitis B or C is an absolute contraindication for both types of treatments. Unfortunately, we are near the end of today's discussion. In the time remaining, perhaps each of you can describe what you think the most important takeaways are for your colleagues. Dr. Gilberto, let's hear your takeaways first, please. I think in terms of takeaway messages, one thing that I would like to stress is that in front of these options, the correct, the adequate patient selection is absolutely critical. As Dr. Ricardo Messia has just pointed out, performance status, comorbidities, for example, disease burden, I think it's also an important thing to consider, proliferation rate, and nowadays we need to check the PDL1 expression. Dr. Ricard, anything to add to that? Yes, from now we are going to decide the treatment in recurrent metastatic disease according to platinum sensible or refractory, patient characteristics, mainly ECOG-PS and comorbidities, tumor characteristics, and here I include tumor burden and tumor speed of growth, and also PDL1 by, by CPS measurement. In those patients, platinum refractory, nivolumab or pembrolizumab is indicated in the majority of them, except for those patients who progress fast, those patients who have a high symptomatic burden, where we will prefer a combination of chemo, probably a combination of chemo plus cetuximab, maybe taxol and, and cetuximab. In platinum-sensible patients, the treatment will depend on CPS. Whether CPS is greater than 20, we will prefer pembrolizumab alone and keep on extreme or tepics in second line for those patients with a high tumor burden, we will prefer a combination of chemo plus pembrolizumab. In CPS between 1 to 19, we prefer the combination of chemotherapy plus pembrolizumab in all the cases, except probably those oligometastatic disease where we can start with pembrolizumab alone. For all these patients with CPS less than 1, standard treatment is still extreme or TPEX. Well, with those comments in mind, I want to thank my guests, Dr. Gilberto Castro and Dr. Ricard Messia, for helping us to better understand how to select first-line treatment therapies for patients with recurrent metastatic squamous cell cancer of head and neck. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Lee from NYU. I'm the medical oncology specialist in the head and neck cancer. 
you just heard this nice presentation about treatment for recurrent and metastatic head neck cancer. Treatment of head neck cancer has multiple challenges. I mean, the patient have a recurrent or metastatic head neck cancer. Usually, this patient has a very high tumor burden and also has a lot of symptoms, pain and dysphagia, and highly symptomatic. Especially in Asia and in China, the panic actually has a higher incident, and the treatment has not been uniformly. As you know, there have a lot of challenges in the treatment for recurrent and metastatic head neck cancer. In the past 20 years, recurrent and metastatic head neck cancer has been treated with extreme regimen. It's the first line. Basically, it's a plotting plus fluorouracil plus cetuximab, which is available in China, has not much progression in the past 20 years. Until recently, introduction of the immunotherapy. Recently reported Keynote 48, introducing of immunotherapy to first-line treatment for metastatic and recurrent hand cancer. Keynote 048 was a phase three study comparing pembrolizumab alone or plus chemotherapy versus cetuximab plus chemotherapy for the management of recurrent or metastatic squamous cell carcinoma of the head and neck. Participants were assessed for PDL1 status as well as other eligibility criteria and randomly allocated one to one to one to pembrolizumab alone, pembrolizumab plus a platinum and 5-fluorouracil, or cetuximab plus a platinum and 5-fluorouracil, also known as the extreme regimen. When comparing patient outcomes for overall survival in Keynote 048, pembrolizumab plus chemotherapy was superior to extreme, whether the combined positive score results, or CPS, for PDL1 status was greater than or equal to 20, or greater than or equal to 1. This outcome also extended to the overall population, regardless of PDL1 status. Findings were mostly similar when comparing pembrolizumab monotherapy with extreme for patients with cohorts who were CPS greater than or equal to 20 or greater than or equal to 1. However, in the overall population, pembrolizumab monotherapy was not inferior to extreme. However, Keynote 048 did not specifically address patients who were CPS less than 1, nor breakout populations within the CPS range of 1 to less than 20, which remains an area of interest. Pembrolizumab monotherapy and, or in combination with, chemotherapy is indicated in the U.S. and European Union for the management of recurrent or metastatic squamous cell carcinoma of the head and neck. However, Pembrolizumab, while available in China, is not currently approved for the treatment of recurrent or metastatic squamous cell carcinoma of the head and neck. I will emphasize the treatment of head and neck cancer should be data-driven, and uh, I know it's not, not necessarily uniformly how to treat this cancer in China because China has large geographical locations. Each region is a little bit different. Thank you for listening to the presentation. You've been listening to CME on ReachMD. This activity is provided by Agile and is supported by an independent educational grant from Merck KGAA, Darmstadt, Germany. To receive your free CME credit or to download this activity, go to reachmd.com slash 
agile. Thank you for listening.